we would uh, go ahead and we would talk a little bit about Aliyah Leragel and about what it means to get prepared for a, uh, a yontiv and to, um, and to think about how people got prepared for Aliyah Leragel um, in the times that there was a Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim and the Aliyah Leragel was to Yerushalayim itself, the people could leave their homes um, from the Galil, from all the areas that they would dwell in the periphery and they would make their way to Yerushalayim to go ahead and to bring the Korbanos and to, uh, and to fulfill the Kiyim of, uh, of the Mitzvah of Re'iyah to be seen in the Beis HaMikdash and uh, the joy that was in being able to fulfill a Mitzvah like this. Um, the uh, the capital that we're going to learn tonight, Mizmar Kufchaf Beis, is the one that comes directly after the capital we talked about last week, Kufchaf uh, Aleph, which is uh, strikes a decidedly different note. Kufchaf Aleph is Shir Malus Laharim, and perhaps one could say that if you were far along on the distance in the road from Yushalayim on your way on that arduous journey, so you would raise up your eyes. And uh, you could say to yourself, the journey is quite long. And then when you reach the at least closer, so we find ourselves coming closer to the Beis HaMikdash in this capital, where it says, mm-hmm. that there's a certain kind of closeness that the person maybe feels that their journey is coming a little bit closer to its end, towards its conclusion, and that the person can taste it. They're already in the gates of Yerushalayim, they're coming as close as possible uh, to experiencing uh, the Kirva to the Makam HaMikdash and the Kirva to filling the mitzvah of Aliyah Regal that happens in the gates. When I think of this particular capital, just a few prefatory remarks, when I think of this particular capital, I think of, uh, I think of the fact that um, I think of the fact that Aliyah Regal nowadays, I remember in our yeshiva um, that there were people that would come into uh, Yeshiva Kotel just to go up to the roof, just to be able to see uh, the Makam HaMikdash um, during the Regalim, and it would be like a quasi-Aliyah Regal. People would come uh, to the Kotel, and you'd have the massive Birkas Kohanim. Uh, the sense is, is that Aliyah Regal was a monumental a uh, monumental thing in the lives of Jews living in the times of the Batei Mikdash. Not just in the sense that one was fulfilling the mitzvahs, but that coming together and being seen and seeing the Malkama Mikdash together with the millions, Alfei Revavos, uh, Beis Yisrael, to see the Mikdash together with all of these Jewish people. So that was a, that was a profound psychological effect on the Ola, on the person that was making their way, Ali the Regal, uh, up to that point, there was a profound effect that it had on the soul of the person, not to mention the ability to see at different times the work of the Kohanim, Levim, and all the pomp and circumstance that exist in the Mikdash at the time. And this particular capital, I think, is a capital, together with the rest of the Shia Malas, that, that typifies the excitement, that typifies the feelings uh, that one would feel when they made Ali al when they would come closer and closer uh, to the Makam HaMikdash. Uh, nowadays, this particular capital, if you uh, walk out, um, haven't been to Shalim in a while, unfortunately, but if you walk out um, of Shayafo and you start walking towards town and you pass by Kikar Tzahal, it used to be Kikar Allenby, uh, so there on a, on a stone plaque are the words um, from this particular capital, uh, Um Yerushalayim, and it was changed from Allenby Square to Kikar Tzahal uh, because it was the beginning of the thrust of one of the battles during the conquering of the old city in the times of the uh, of the Six Day War, and uh, this was the uh, this was the capital that they decided to go ahead and to put on the plaque over there. And again, uh, it, it, there's distinct tones 
of what it means to be Bisharaich Yerushalayim. I think a lot of people saw the gates of Yaffa closed recently, which was uh, quite a scary thing to see. But, uh, but we should see the building of, the, of all the Sharim of Yerushalayim, to be able to enter freely through all the Sharim of Yerushalayim. But there's a sense of, uh, of joy and trepidation that comes from standing at the gates. Uh, that's a key card was changed in 67. What I want to go ahead and do is we'll go and read this particular capital line by line and understand a little bit uh, why, uh, why we're told, uh, at least by Shemesh Tehillim, that, uh, that the main theme of this particular capital is the praise of Yerushalayim, is the praise of, uh, of the miracles that exist in Yerushalayim. We know we'll return to it later, the Mishnah in Avos, in Parakei Mishnah, tells us that there were 10 miracles that happened in Yerushalayim, and a few of those miracles are going to be referenced in this particular capital as well. So let's start with the very first Pasuk. The very first Pasuk says, Shira Malus David, Samachti Hashem Neilech. So this is uh, another one of the 15 Shira Malos. And uh, the Meiri says that this Mizmor, this particular capital, could be said either by the Bnei HaGola, um, the people that were being Ola Regel, even from the periphery in Eretz Yisrael, or it could be said by David HaMelech himself. The particular capital is applicable to both of them and could be read in, uh, in, in both of their voices speaking. So Rashi says on this first Pasuk that David HaMelech recognized that people were waiting. Uh, his reign had been a successful reign uh, and people were waiting for the Beis HaMikdash, what would be the crowning achievement of the reign of David HaMelech, people were waiting for the Beis HaMikdash to be built. And uh, David HaMelech apparently understood this very well. And he said that people would be Miran in Imachrav. The people would say after him, Mastayamus, when is this old man going to die? And his son Shlomo Melech is going to come ahead and build it. So we know that David HaMelech seems to have had an opportunity, uh, perhaps, to build it. We know that there's a discussion back and forth between David HaMelech and Nasan HaNavi. And Nasan HaNavi seems to give his imprimatur, the imprimatur of God, to allow David HaMelech. He says, do, do what you want and Hashem will be together with you. However, a few psukim later, Nasan HaNavi says to David HaMelech, In fact, uh, later on in Divrei HaYamim, we're told the Pasuk tells us that David says to his son, he says, the word of Hashem came to me. You, David Melch, have spilled so much blood and you've done all the wars of Hashem. You're not going to be able to build the base. Amikdash, David Melch, it won't be you. I heard a long time ago, one of the first Divrei Torah that I remember, and I always uh, wondered what exactly the source for the Divrei Torah is. It's based on a question. What, you mean to tell me that because David Melch fought Melchamas Hashem, that he's not going to be able to build the base Amikdash? That's the reason Hashem commanded him to do it. In fact, if you were to go ahead and to read the Rambam, when the Rambam talks about uh, the Messianic era, he'll tell us that Mashiach, uh, who should come very soon, that Mashiach is going to fight Muhammad Hashem. That it seems to be, uh, instead of a, a menia, instead of something that prevents us from going ahead and building the Ves HaMikdash, it would seem that one that fights the wars of Hashem is a prerequisite, that it's condition in order to go ahead and to build the Beis HaMikdash. So what's the, uh, what's the idea over here of David HaMelech telling Shlomo, I can't build it because my hands are malayim dam, because my hands are filled with blood. It doesn't, uh, that doesn't make any sense. How could that be? So, so we, uh, we have a few answers that are offered. Uh, one of the nicest answers that I remember, and this is the Dvar Torah, uh, the nicest answer that I remember comes from, and now the source is from Midrash Tillim. Um, so the Medrash Socher Tov says, until in Perak Samech Beis says that it's not because Khalila the Davin HaMelech, uh, that because he fought the wars of Hashem, and because he listened to what Hashem told him, and he fought very valiantly, that Hashem prevents him from going out and doing that. That's not the case. That can't be what it is. 
He says, but rather it was because of Davin Tzidkas, that the Bayit cannot be destroyed. That Kadosh Baruch Hu saw that Davin HaMelech was constantly Moser Nefesh to fight the Melchamas of Hashem and laid the groundwork for being able to build the Beis HaMikdash. David HaMelech had already assembled all the funds necessary for the building of the Beis HaMikdash. David HaMelech had set everything in place, and the Shlomo HaMelech would uh, uh, proverbially take the ball and run with it and build it. But that David HaMelech, but that David HaMelech was such a tzaddik and had fulfilled so much of Ratzna Hashem, that Hashem knows that in the future, this Beis HaMikdash is going to be destroyed. And if in the future this Beis HaMikdash is going to be destroyed, so let it be the binyan itself, and let Hashem take out His wrath, and not on His people. But if David HaMelech would have built it with those hands that were so filled with the blood of Kiddushim Shamayim and of conquering, so if David HaMelech would have gone ahead and done that, so then, then it would have been a serious problem because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wouldn't have been able to simply take out His wrath on the sticks and stones. HaKadosh Baruch Hu would have had to destroy uh, the people instead, Khalila. So therefore, that was the reason that it was deferred, that David HaMelech deferred and said, you can let my son build it. And, uh, and that's why Shlomo HaMelech was the one who went ahead and, and did the actual building, even though David HaMelech had set had set the groundwork. Pasuk Beis, So after describing the excitement, so whether it's of David HaMelech knowing that in the future, Beis Hashem Neilech, that soon enough I'll die and people will be able to enter into the Beis Hashem, people will be able to enter into the Beis HaMikdash, that will happen soon enough. So we move to Pasuk Beis, and Pasuk Beis describes either the feeling of actually standing in the gates of Yerushalayim, or the anticipation of what that feeling might be. What might it feel like to stand in the gates of Yerushalayim? We can imagine, our, ask ourselves, what might it feel like to make an Aliyah L'Regel to the third base of Mikdash? What exactly would it look like? We can think about it now, we have plenty of time to think about things, uh, and, and uh, especially uh, to dream of an Aliyah L'Regel. But what exactly would it look like? So he said, The Ben Ezra has a very, uh, a rather mundane comment on this. The Ben Ezra tells us that during the times of the Lila Regal, it would be so packed in the Sha'arim, in the gates of Yerushalayim, they literally couldn't move. Omdos. You would stand there. Right? We could, that, that could seem like a very... Uh, that could seem like a very quotidian thing. That could seem like something that we can relate to as well. It's very crowded. Sometimes maybe we've uh, been to Yerushalayim during one of the Shalosh HaGalim nowadays, and it's quite crowded, and we, uh, and we can't make our way through the old city, or there's no parking. So we stand, Bisharaych Yerushalayim. We're stuck sometimes at the gates. We can't move forward. So the Ibn Ezra gives that very mundane comment, but hidden in the comment of the Ibn Ezra is I think one of the miracles that the, that the Mishnah and Perkeyavas describes to us about Yerushalayim. That it's the notion of what it means to be happy in tight spaces. That sometimes we find ourselves in tight spaces, the claustrophobia starts to kick in. We feel uh, the lachats, we feel the pressure coming down upon us, the walls closing in. We talked a little bit about Meitzarim last week, about being uh, stuck in narrow places. So what does it mean to be happy in tight spaces? So the Mishnah Navas tells us two of the ten miracles in the Beis HaMikdash. There were ten miracles in the first Beis HaMikdash that would happen on a, uh, on a, on a pretty regular basis that are described by the Mishnah. Two of those miracles are very closely related. The eighth and the tenth. The eighth miracle, it says in the Mishnah, was that when they would go ahead and they would stand, when they would stand in the temple precincts and presumably in the gates heading up to the temple, when they would stand there, it would feel quite cramped, it would feel quite claustrophobic, it would feel the, the pressure and the push that we might associate, uh, I don't know, perhaps going to like a pizza store on Matzei Pesach. You should be able to make it to pizza stores. Even something as small as that uh, would seem like a great gift. 
But um, to stand tzafuf, especially nowadays, to stand very tzafuf with other people is uh, like almost a scary thing. It's uh, like a life and death sort of thing, we're told, um, that, uh, that we distance ourselves, physical distance, not social distancing, but that we're physically distanced. And Alila Regal implies that there was a degree of physical closeness, that everybody was pushed up against each other. And yet when they would bow down, the miracle would happen, everybody would find their place. When they would bow down, it was almost as if the temple would breathe. It would, it would breathe in when the people who came would breathe out when they would bow down. And the room would be found. The reality would expand. It would be an expansive type of experience. Um, that we talked about maybe last week or two weeks ago. Being answered in the open spaces when we're bowing down. And then the tenth miracle, maybe in connection to that, so the Mishnah tells us that when it came to Yerushalayim, Ishlam Artsarli Amakum. A person never said that this place would be difficult for me. Tsar, but also it's spelled Tzadi Reish. That this place is too narrow for me. That I don't have my personal space. That people are invading my personal space. What a gift that's, that would seem to be. Right? But then Yerushalayim, there was space for everybody. In a psychological sense, when one finds themselves subsumed amongst Alfei Revavos, B'nai Yisrael, they're doing the same thing. They're going ahead and fulfilling the same mitzvah. So there's a kind of abnegation of the self. A kind of uh, being absorbed amongst the masses of the Jewish people and finding oneself uh, negated. The ego death of being surrounded by all of Am Yisrael and being able to go ahead and to see oneself as part of a klal rather than just a prat. That was one of the major gifts, I believe, of making Aliyah Laregel, that a person was able to go ahead and experience an ego death simply by being there and by being omdim tzfufim and by being in a place that was tsar. However, nobody said tsar liyamakam and never felt too narrow for anybody. And nowadays, uh, I know that a lot of us do feel that we're stuck in narrow places, that, uh, that the, uh, the ofakim, our horizons, physically at least, are, are narrowed in, are closed in. Uh, so potentially the brach of Yerushalayim, the miracle is, is that we should find an expansiveness even in these narrow places. That even in our uh, own small bate uh, mikdash, in our homes, where we find ourselves with our families that are most beloved, that we find ourselves in this position, that we're able to go ahead and to access a place where we could say, that we could take a cue from the Beis HaMikdash, and one of the miracles in the Beis HaMikdash, Yishlam Artsali HaMakam. So even though the Ibn Ezra would say that the Alil Regal would be so, such a push of people, such a mass of people, that you would just go ahead and you would, uh, you would find yourself omd in Basharim and couldn't move, so nobody would say Tzar Le'amakum was exactly on this experience, right? This uh, vote of being within a crowd and the vote of, of, of being able to find tranquility within such a, a crush of people and not feeling claustrophobic. And the avoda this year being a little bit alone and not feeling claustrophobic and not feeling and feeling the expansiveness of that as well. Whether you're in a small apartment or whether you're in a home, wherever you, want, you may find yourself, that there's a sense of revacha that nobody should say, especially with the people around them or if there's nobody around. Ishlam ar and we go, when we go ahead and we bow down and we, and we perform our vodat Hashem, we feel a degree of expansiveness. We feel a degree of the world opening up for this. The uh, Tosfus Yamtuf is such a beautiful comment on, the, on that Mishnah that I think is worth quoting. The Tosfus Yamtuf says to us, Afagav l'sham. Even though there were so many people traveling to the Mikdash, uh, Josephus records that in the second base of the Mikdash would be like a million Ole, ole Regal. That's a massive number even nowadays. So he says, Especially in the Regalim, there would be so many people streaming, pouring into Yerushalayim. Nobody would push. Nobody would feel that anybody was stepping on their toes. Everybody was there with a, unif- a unified purpose. 
So how could they go ahead and have kapedas? How could they go ahead and have, uh, and have concern with other people being there? They're all doing the same thing. They're all accomplishing the same thing. Nobody was worried where things would be coming from. Because everybody recognized that through the avod of being together there with all of these people, with all of Am Yisrael, with the single unified purpose, that we would go ahead and we would know that this was the place that Hashem would be uh, that He would go ahead and, and shower us with divine blessings and shafa for the rest of the year. So that was the bracha of Omdosairagdaini Bisharai Hu Shalayim. but uh, I think of another image when I think of this Pasak, I think of uh, I think of the generals. Uh, the picture from the sixty seven war, I think it's Yitzchak Rabin, um, Moshe Dayan, that they're standing and Uzinarkis and uh, and they're standing in the gates, the lion's gate. They're standing there and uh, returning Yerushalayim to the Jewish people. Yerushalayim can also take on a, a miraculous, a messianic uh, point of view of we're standing at our gates and the soldiers looking up. Uh, the other picture, when they get to the Kotel, that we should go ahead and experience the trepidation, the awe of looking, you know, standing. Sometimes I imagine this. I think of uh, Ben Sion Solomon and Sons, their beautiful rendition of this. Oh, I'm and thinking of what it means to stand, it also maybe can indicate a kind of trepidation. You finally reach from the Esayena El Aharim, I finally reach the gates from my long distant journey, and I finally reach the gates, and I stand at the gates, there's a kind of awe. Right, taking it all in, looking at a bustling Yerushalayim and with the Zikainim and the Arim, like the prophecy of Scharia, and seeing all of this and seeing the Kohanim, Levim, the bustle of the markets of people buying their Karbanos and uh, being Poted uh, the Maisesheni, all of the hustle of Yerushalayim and being able to stop for a second to take it in. In a spiritual sense, this is what it means to stand at the cusp of a religious experience. Shalayim over here is a chaser. It's missing the final yud, which indicates that we're still waiting for a final base of mikdash. So this is a statement, Yushalayim over here can be referenced to a spiritual sense, not just the city. When we stand at the cusp of a, a spiritual event, like Pesach Tashim Pei, or wherever we stand in our lives, so we're able to go ahead and take a moment at the gates to take it all in. Yerushalayim Abinuya Pasuk Gimel. Yerushalayim Abinuya Kishachubra Liyachta. So this is a reference to Yerushalayim Abinuya to the built-up Yerushalayim. If we're looking at David Amelech referring to this, this is David Amelech talking about the eventual building of Yerushalayim. However, the Targum and Tilim says something beautiful over here in their translation. They add in a mystical sense to it. Targum says, This is referring to the, to the Yerushalayim, the Yerushalayim Shalmala, right? That we're aware of a concept of Yerushalayim Shalmata, the earthly, uh, the terrestrial Jerusalem, and the Yerushalayim Shalmala, and the celestial Jerusalem. And uh, we see them as being in tandem with one another. And that the building up of one leads to the building up of the other, and the shalom, the peace of one, is the shalom, the peace of the other. The interrelationship between the mirror image of Karta de Shufraya, of Yerushalayim, the beautiful city, uh, the, the, the pearl of all the land, that it has this interrelationship with Yerushalayim Shalmala. So the Targum says, Yerushalayim demisyavnaya berekia. This is Yerushalayim that was built up in the Rekia and Shamayim. The temple above and the temple below are united in our minds. So what does this mean? So we know that there's a machlokas, 
about uh, how the third base Amikdash, for example, is going to come down to us. The Rambam says that the third base Amikdash is going to be built by us. Uh, ever the rationalist, we're going to be involved in its building, Mir Tzashem. Uh, we'll be hammering away, we'll be hewing the stones, we'll be putting it all together, and, um, and it will be very beautiful. Rashi says that the Beis HaMikdash is already constructed by God. And the Beis HaMikdash, Rashi is commenting on Gemara and Sukkah, I believe. So Rashi says the Beis HaMikdash, the Beis HaMikdash is already Mikdash Hashem Koinu Yadecha, as we say in, uh, in Az Yashir. That the Beis HaMikdash is waiting, it's already built. So maybe this is a reference to the terrestrial Beis HaMikdash that we have to build ourselves, the act that we do, and the celestial Beis HaMikdash, which is already built, Yushalayim HaBinuya. The built Yushalayim is Shechubr Lo Yachtov, when the Yushalayim Shalmal and Yushalayim Shalmat, when they come together, so that's Yushalayim HaBinuya. Lo Yavol Yushalayim Shalmala Ad Yushalayim Shalmata Ad Sheyavol Yushalayim Shalmala. The Kosh comes and is Masha in the fullest sense is Shechin Yushalayim, that's Yushalayim HaBinuya. Even though it's quite built up now and quite beautiful, uh, without the Beis Samikdash, it's missing its crucial element, it's missing its core element. Rashi compares this, however, to uh, a different thing. Rashi is referring to Shiloh, and the Torah tells us in Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu is describing the eventual Makam Asher Hashem, the place that the Beis Samikdash is going to finally be. So we, Moshe says, and the Gemara Darshans, the Gemara says, Menucha Shiloh, the resting place of the Shechina is Shiloh, but Nachla, but the portion, the final settlement of the Shechina, that in Yerushalayim. The Menucha, a resting place, indicates a temporary situation. That was the Mishkan in Shiloh. And the Nachla, the portion, the final resting place, the place where it stays, where the Mikdash stays, that's Yerushalayim. So Rashi is uh, mentioning over here, quoting this Gemara, he's saying that there was a direct continuation between the Mishkan and Shiloh and the Nachla, and the place where the Mishkan came to rest, where the Mishkan and its contents came to become a permanent edifice, uh, hopefully, hopefully to be rebuilt again. That was in Yerushalayim, El Menucha Nachla, Yerushalayim Abinuya. So when the Beis Hamikdash would be built up, if David Amelch is speaking, or when the Beis Hamikdash is built up in the speech of the Ole Laregel, so we see the connection, uh, the the segue between the Mishkan and Shiloh, the Menucha and the Nachla in Yerushalayim. Sukim continue. Moving along, we have a few, a uh, couple minutes left. So the psukim continue, and they tell us pasuk dalid shesham alu shvatim shifteka edus liyisrael odos l'shem Hashem. Description of what the Aliyah regulars is that all of the Shvatim Shifteka would come in order to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu here. And here is also not just praise of Yishalayim, but Shvach of the Shifteka, uh, praise of Bnei Yisrael also, the fact that they're called the Shifteka, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu rests his name on the Shvatim themselves. So Rashi tells us, in explaining this, Rashi says that this is testimony actually. Eidos li Yisrael odos l'shem Hashem. What's the praise and what's the testimony of the Shvatim Shifteka? So Rashi references the fact that there were Rashi references the fact that there were people who would go ahead and be Miranim. There were people who would go ahead and cast dispersions on the on the lineage of the Jewish people after they ascended from its time. How could it be that a nation would be enslaved in such a in such an uh, uh, with without any um without any honor and degraded so in Mitzrayim? How could it be in such a ignoble, ignoble situation? 
ignominious situation. How could it be that they would be in such a situation and that they would retain the family, uh, the family purity? This isn't the Jewish people. We hear anti-Semites say this nowadays. You know, it's uh, we're descended from different groups. Uh, you know, uh, people look at the the, uh, the variation amongst our nation. Uh, that is part of the beauty of our nation. I remember if Rav Shachter Shlita uh, quoted to us uh, from Shail Shuvas Yabi Omer from Rav Avadia. Somebody asked Rav Avadia about uh, davening um, uh, Ashkenaz that wants to Tomei Davin's Nusach Ashkenaz that wants to go ahead and change the Nusach Sfard. Um, I believe it's in Aleph Yud Beis in Yabi Omer. It might be. Um, so Rav Shachter mentioned he quotes Rav Avadia, talks about the, the there were 12 gates in order to come up to Yishlaim, meant for the different Shvatim, and then there was also the Shara Kolel. Uh, Rav Avadia happens to use the Nusach Edo Tamizrach, he says that's the Shara Kolel, everybody else could go ahead into Davin uh, with that Nusach. However, uh, however, there's a sense that every Shevet goes in through its own gate, that Kosh Baruch Hu uh, likes and desires diversity, desires the different Shvatim, but also desires that they're also Shifteka, and that they're also testimony to Israel, that they're all part of one nation. So to go back to Rashi, Rashi says that this is testimony to the purity of Israel. We know of a few different Midrashim that when combined together told us that the Jewish people preserved their essential heritage and culture, even in the Kura Barzal of Mitzrayim. And the fact that they preserved their lineage, Hashem says, that's why I'm going to call them Mishpacha Saruveini, right? I'm going to refer to them, each of them, all of these descendants come from the same people. Their lineage is pure. That's why they're called Shifteka, because the Shechina can rest his name upon these Shvatim. However, it's testimony. They come to, uh, to this place. And the Radak tells us the testimony is that Yerushalayim itself, Karta de Shufraya, has the ability to be Mechil, all of them, all of the Shvatim together, and all the Shifteka. And therefore, when they're all together, they're subsumed under the name Yisrael. That only happens Yerushalayim. They come out of their Nachla. They come out of their own portions, their own Shevet's portions. In Eretz Yisrael, and in the Beis Hamikdash itself, they become subsumed all together. Lehodos, uh, l'shem Hashem, to praise and to honor the name of Hashem, to give thanks. That's the Eidos Yisrael. The testimony is uh, perhaps that, uh, like the Meiri tells us, he says, When they came to the Beis Hamikdash, part of the reason that because there is a complete unity of purpose. So Lios Achas, they were one unit. Safa Achas, one language, this is a tikkun, maybe in the language of the Radak, a tikkun, to another kind of city, uh, right? uh, another city which went ahead to be Melachim, to wage war against the Kodesh Baruch Hu, was the building of a city that would go ahead and, and offer peace to Kodesh Baruch Hu, the opposite effect of a place that was going to go ahead, a city that was going to go ahead and wage war against God, Khalila. And why? What's the reason? What's the point that we're able to go ahead and to have this situation? Because Yerushalayim was a city primarily of Yosher. That all of this religious stuff, all of these feelings oceanic, all of this tremendous spiritual uplift that a person felt with Aliyah Leregel, their eyes ascending upon the mount, high to the mountains and making their way and in awe in the gates, all of this was only possible because it was always founded upon principles of Yosher, of uprightness and justice. And that's why in the times of David HaMelech in the first day Samikdash, we know that the Gemara tells us, Ein yeshiva that the only people that are able to go ahead and to sit in judgment in Yerushalayim 
Mitzrayim and Yazara, where Malchi based David, where King David and descendants of the Davidic line, King David would sit in Mishpat, like his son after him, Shlomo Melch would sit in judgment, Kisot Mishpat, that all of this religious stuff was always founded upon Yashros, upon, upon doing things the right way, upon doing things with an eye, not towards a rote outer religiosity, but towards something much more, uh, much more, much more concrete, something that was founded upon uh, Yosid Naman of Yashras. Uh, the Meiri tells us, the Meiri says, Kisot le Mishpah, he says, Shivcha shalan hagas hayosher shebesocha. Right, the Kisot le Mishpah is praise on the underpinnings, undergirdings of all of this religious experience was the Yosher, the praise of the Yosher that was besocha. And the second base of Mikdash, of course, uh, it was, we call this the Lishkas HaGazas, which sat just right outside of the Azara because they couldn't sit within the Azara if they were not Malchei Beis David. Lishkas HaGazas, Kimitzion Teitzei Torah, Dvar Hashem Yerushalayim. Lishkas HaGazas, which is where the Sanhedrin sat in the Beis HaMikdash and they would issue judgment. Kimitzion Teitzei Torah. All of this had to be connected deeply. All of these spiritual feelings with the Karbanas and Levium and, and the fact that a person could ascend upon way high at this point, Valiyah Laregel, and totally be subsumed among Klal Yisrael and the Ole Laregel. However, 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 at the end of the day, if that was not connected to the tangible, to the logic of judgment, and the ashes of judgment, and halacha, so it would be lost. And that's why Lish Kasagazis and the yeshiva for Melchi Beis David was so prominent and is praised over here in these psukim. Continuing on, Pasuk Vav. Therefore, for all of this, when we're away from Yerushalayim or when we're standing at its gates coming close to it, and right now it feels so far away, so we say, Shalu Shlom Yerushalayim, you have to seek out the peace of Jerusalem. Yerushalayim, Yishlayu Avayich, you ask, are the people in it, are they Beshalva? Are they, are, are they experiencing tranquility? Are the people that are closest to Yerushalayim, are they experiencing peace? The Targum, once again, in such beautiful language, such gorgeous things in the Targum, and what it subtly adds to the translation. We know, of course, Binyamin told us that uh, all translation is an act of interpretation. The Targum is no different. Targum says, She'ilu b'shlam d'yirushleim yisvun b'shalvas rechimayich. So I think over here is contained the blessing. If you ask the Shalom Yerushalayim, if your eyes are constantly focused on the peace of Yerushalayim, Yitvum Beshalder Chemayich, then we're also going to ask Hashem that in a reciprocal way, Kadosh Baruch Hu should go ahead and should give us peace as well, should allow us to dwell in our abodes as well. Because we ask constantly for the peace of Yishalayim. I would add maybe that you could go ahead and render it slightly differently. From the language of borrowing. Right? That when a person goes ahead and makes Aliyah L'Regel. And experiences what Aliyah L'Regel is. And thinks about Aliyah L'Regel. So we have to borrow from that experience. We have to constantly draw off of that experience. A lashon of She'ela. A lashon of going ahead and borrowing. To constantly take the lessons of the peace of Yishalayim. And to bring it into our own homes and to ask in our own homes, in our own homes, Yishlayu Avayich, are my loved ones at peace? Am I at peace with my loved ones in my home? Am I feeling a degree of Shalva, no matter how difficult it might feel, no matter how difficult the Mayim Azidonim outside, or how they toss us about? Is that possible? 
So we could ask the same thing of our own abodes, of our own little mikdashim. We could say, Yishlayu avayich, the people. And we constantly, every statement now, I saw somebody made a joke, you know, at least, they say, at least during the black pig, I didn't have to work it into my emails. And he says that nowadays, you know, we start off every communication, how are you, how are your loved ones, it's a beautiful thing. They're constantly asking, and all the many little Yushalayims now that nobody could ascend to the Vesa Mikdash, nobody could ascend to the Kotel, that we can't go ahead and ascend to our Mikdash, to our Bateknisios, to ask, in our own little homes to say are the loved ones are our loved ones are they at peace to constantly ask for the peace of Yerushalayim may HaKadosh Baruch allow us to dwell in peace as well wrapping up with the final tefillah of the of the Meshorah here of David HaMelech or the Ole Leregel they say Yehi Shalom Bechelech May there be peace, Bechelech, Bechelech, where the walls outside of the of the of Yerushalayim, Shalva Ba'armen Osayich. May there also be peace, Shalva, peace inside of the Armonim that Ibn Ezra tells us, Armen Osayich, the palaces are the structures that existed within uh, the walls of the Beis Hamikdash, within the walls uh, of Yerushalayim. Laman Achai Vereya Daber Nashalom Bach, Laman Beis Adonai Lehinu Avak Shatov Lach. Lamana Chaiverei, the Radak says, Omer Kol Echad Mibnei Hagolus Yisrael Shagolimimcha Leman and Adabrin Ashalom Karshi Ashuv Liyoshayich Mimbach. The Radak tells us that this was a statement that we constantly, when we ask the peace Yerushalayim and we say Yishalom Bechelich Shalvar Bamanusayich, there should be peace in Yerushalayim. There should be tranquility within your walls. Laman achai verea, we think of the Jews all around the world, everybody, b'chol makom shehein, that's experiencing very similar kind of feelings right about now, to speak shalom, to speak words of peace, laman beis Hashem lekeinu avak shatovlach, to ask about the peace of the, of the place, Right, Hakadosh Baruch Hu's peace, the peace of the of, of Hakadosh Baruch Hu's house, which is still not built. The Radak says beautifully, Laman Achai, Omer Kol Echa Mibnei Agolus. Everybody from the Gola would say, Yisrael Shagolimimcha, Yisrael who is exiled from these walls, from Beis Hashem Elokeinu. Lemaanam Adabra Nashalim Bach. I will speak peace for myself, for the for the Golim, for the exiles of Yerushalayim. She Yashuv Liyoshoichnimbach. That we should return and we should dwell within you. I want to finish off with the beautiful. Uh, line from Rajbi from Rav Shimon Bar Yechai says in Yushalmi and Brachos he says what is this language over here of Achai Vereai who's talking over here who are the Achim and Reim the brothers and friends so he says listen to Rajbi he says Basar Vidam a human being, yesh karov, if they have a, a relative or a friend, so if they're prominent people, if they're wealthy people, if they could give them something, so we're very quick to, oh, I'm related, they're my, they're my third cousin's uh, uncle, or uh, they're my distant relatives, you know, distant relative, right? We want to go ahead and, and claim that kirva for ourselves, claim that closeness, claim that they're achim. But if the person is ani, if the person is uh, not necessarily such a dignified or wealthy or powerful person that can't give them anything, maybe they embarrass them a little bit. So they say, I don't know, I'm not really so close, not really so related. God Almighty is not like this. Even if B'nai Yisrael are in the lowest possible rung, even if we find ourselves in the most degraded of places, who says they are my brothers and friends. 
That Kaddish Baruch Hu is referring to us as well, brothers and friends, that Kaddish Baruch Hu feels, feels a kirv with us as well. And may the same Shechina that rested in the Beis HaMikdash, the time of Leil Regel, may that same Shechina rest upon our homes as we celebrate Pesach in our own homes. And we be zolcha, it's still possible, may we be zolcha to go ahead and to be Olu Regel as well. This year, this year Mamish, to bring carbon Pesach, this year Mamish. If not, it should happen speedily in our days, Mamish. I want to wish every single person who listened, thanks for learning with me, and uh, wish everybody Chag Kosh V'Sameach will be continuing to Hillim Mir Tzashem after Pesach as well. Chag Kosh V'Sameach to everybody. It should be filled with joy and happiness. Thank you all for listening. You Thank you.